BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Fuck, Jake. I don't know how to open this one. Uh, let's see. How do we... You start it. Okay. Uh, I'm a... Oh, okay. Hi. Yeah, no, wait. I'm a, I'm a horny boy wizard that uh, found a robot girl. She's a computer. Hold <laughs> it, McNeely. Jake, you say something now. I'm awkward. And I'm a robot girl or a Persicom. <laughs> uh, in this world, all personal computers have been replaced with sexy Android women, and that's not the important part. We don't even go over why that's a thing uh also i'm my own sister i'm in love with my dad and that's like not even what this series is about <laughs> bruiser and today we have a guest i'm an accommodating lady <laughs> who just loves taking care of men who don't know how to do shit for uh, some reason opening a podcast and this is our episode on clam right off the top uh katie rose leon of uh balling out super of uh are you Part of album or do you just do like guest spots? Like uh, I was, I was part of the original album crew, and then I had to quit because I got a real job. And I, <laughs> I had a financial situation. Unfortunately, that show's been canceled. Yeah, oh, that show's done. But yeah, love yeah. to Giant Bomb and all their endeavors. Hell yeah, dude! <laughs> and I desperately wanted someone on the show that I knew had some '90s, 2000s bona fides. You were uh, in, incalculably uh, necessary for our Digimon <laughs> episode because Clamp, they're the Golden Girls. They are Tokyo. If you were sitting in the manga section on the carpeted floor at Barnes and Noble in the years 1999 to 2004, you had some clamps ready to go. I was really excited when you asked me to do this because <laughs> at first I couldn't tell if you were asking for me to suggest someone. I'm like, I hope it's me. <laughs> <laughs> We need someone to do clip, and then we hope that you could tell us who could do that episode. <laughs> yeah. No, of course we wanted you, and uh, you know I think the deal with Clamp is you either have no idea what the fuck we're talking about right now, or you're so goddamn hype right now you're about to bust out of your own jeans. I think that's extremely accurate. It is like, <laughs> I, I, by the way, shout out to our, our uh, producer, April. She is so excited we're doing this right now <laughs> to the point where I have to say, April, hit it! No! Just got it in there real early. It's not our recurring joke <laughs> where you play that horrible audio I hate. <laughs> 
Sorry, that's an inside joke. Whenever I scream April hit it, she plays the Donkey Kong rap from Donkey Kong 64. It's a thing. Oh. People love it. They literally yeah. DM me all the time and say, never stop doing it. He's the leader of the DK. Yes! Yeah. He's got a coconut gun, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bad rap. I love the it Donkey is Kong not a good rap <laughs> because someone was hired to record the Donkey Kong yeah. rap. And I, I love to envision that conversation. Shout out to Grant Kirkhope, dude. You rule. He's the one who did the music, did the song, made, made the thing. He's awesome, dude. But anywho, we're not here to talk about the fucking Donkey Kong rap, goddammit. We're sorry. here to talk about, and I'm sorry I cursed, I'm sorry I invoked God into the situation. Yeah. We're here to talk about Clamp, which is a really, really cool and interesting group of lady mangaka that have existed since the 80s. They are, in a lot of ways, manga anime of the 90s, but they are still kicking. I mean, they still have an ongoing series today, and their output is pretty prolific, and, um, you know... Same old, same old in certain ways, they can't stop working and it's killing them, but different in another way where they're all pretty much self-taught and they are just this four-person team. They don't have assistance. They don't have a lot of outside input and they found this really unique, interesting working relationship that I was fascinated by. I love reading about process. That's like (laughs) my thing. I love hearing about how, especially group process, as a person who's a member of a pretty sizable sketch comedy group for like over a decade that did pretty well for for itself in in New York and whatnot. You know, group work dynamics are a fascination for me, and especially when they do, in fact, make the dream work. And uh, they definitely did that, and they have a very interesting story in terms of that. As a young weeb, I would see Clamp series all the time in, like, the you know, on the shelves at Barnes & Noble, like I talked about, on the shelves at Suncoast Video. Uh, Their name was bounced around a lot, but I I never got into a lot of their series. Uh, You know, Magic Knight Ray Earth, uh, Clamp School Detectives, X-1999. Basically, up until we did this episode, the most exposure I ever had was watching the heavily, brutally censored version of Cardcaptor Sakura that aired on Kids WB, (laughs) featuring the iconic ish theme song uh, by Dave Door. <laughs> April, if you could play God Captain, a mystic adventure. God Captain, yes. a quest for all time. Heart Captors was part of that like 90s import where they're like, well, culturally, we can't have this here, so let's just make it a different show. <laughs> <laughs> and the people loved it, right? Yeah. The people loved it, right? No, they hated how, <laughs> how censored it was. Oh, okay. The weebs would like buy the DVDs, watch the full like subtitle versions and be like, oh, oh, this show is like very, very, very much about like characters loving each other and less about collecting tarot Pokemon. (laughs) Yeah. And for me, like when I was a young kid, like late elementary, early middle school, I really wanted to get into comic books. But uh, in that time period, mainstream American comics looked like dog shit to me. (laughs) They were just so ugly Mm. and like unapproachable. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you'll talk about this, but I think like Dark Horse got options to card captors because they did bring the show over here. So they actually released them in single issues that I believe they actually flipped the orientation so they could release them like American comic books. Hmm. And to me, I was like, oh shit, this looks 
beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, to me, the art was so beautiful. Yes, yes. And it was for girls, which I know sounds corny, but like (laughs) that, there just wasn't a space for that at the time. Yeah, dude. I love how you're talking about how ugly comic books were because it brings me back to my time with like Spawn and Punisher and Ghost Rider. It was all just like, oh, I can't believe you like that mainstream shit. (laughs) I was into the real hardcore characters like Blood Dip and Pain, yeah, gum lord was awesome. Gun, the the era of men looking like a cargo vest at all times, just like (laughs) thousands of pockets. And thank you, Rob Liefeld. Yes, like no, yeah, and like it's ironic because like later in my adult life, I got back into that. I had like a reverse engineering situation. I'm like, but what if they had a gun? (laughs) But you know, it's like a. 13 14 year old i'm like well i don't relate to this shit you know and i love sailor moon and i'm like oh there's like more of this kind of stuff Uh, there's a whole genre yeah and that's how i got into clamp and also yeah it was full of like girls and then like beautiful non-threatening men with (laughs) legs that are most of their torso (laughs) what's funny about that too is as we'll find out that's actually them branching out though i mean originally they were doing super broody i mean x 1999 is that you know they literally had to stop making it because of fucking 9-11 because they were like oh we gotta stay away from this but non-threatening men with legs for days <laughs> yep the noodle fully in effect yeah absolutely is it too gross to say that like one of the things that makes clamp uh stand out especially to a western audience that has a more limited selection is the fact that they go across all these different genres you can do stuff like uh an isekai or stuff like a slice of life mm-hmm. or stuff like something like x99 which is a full-on just violent knuckle like splitting dragon ball style destruction fest but it still has uh like kind of a female gaze yeah mm-hmm. which gives it a unique perspective yes and the fact that they didn't just keep themselves in the boys love shoujo uh i please someone find a better word than ghetto because my elderly ass just wants to call it the shoujo ghetto yeah, i mean you know it works <laughs> <laughs> um it really like just kind of gives so much more variety and a unique experience than just boys punch each other in a tournament number 703 uh-huh. that most anime charts are kind of filled with. Well, that's that's why it was so effective, I think. Totally. And like, I don't think people give it enough credit, honestly, for that, because... I think even when it's not blatantly obvious, it's just so subtle. Because, you know, there's still... We got still got, like skimpy ladies and stuff like that like there's all the elements of that there but i think it's just handled differently yeah and i think that is exactly what helps it be a lot more enjoyable by like a wider audience of people it's like inherent in it and then for me i kind of had a similar well a similar but different experience this week i had never really i mean i'd heard of card capture uh before but I, i besides that i wasn't really aware there was this big enthusiasm for us to do a clamp episode. So this was this was a really a new world for me. I started looking into stuff. And as I was doing research, I was like, I think the one I really want to dig into and check out from what I'm reading is Holic. So it's spelled XXX Holic. Yeah. And I picked up that and started reading it. And I think I had a similar situation of I opened it up. I was like, oh, this sounds cool. And I, t- I totally kind of think I get their deal. And then that art just hit me in the face. Mm. It was so beautiful. And it was so different in terms of at least my own personal manga reading. I'm like a big, you know, berserk guy. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, 
an elegance to it. And yet it was still gothy and creepy and stuff, but it just... It almost looks like a mono. Yeah, those yeah. Drawings. Mm. Like, you know, it's very like... They're live. like paintings almost. They're and they, they did yeah. that on purpose. They wanted like thicker lines and they wanted to get across this creepier aesthetics. They wanted it. They wanted things to look almost like an every frame of painting kind of thing. They were going for that, it seems like. And I, I love that too. I love how every single time they're like, all right, for card capture, they were like, we need thinner lines. We need, we need, you know, and they, and they have very deep discussions about the pencils they're going to use, the paper they're going to use. For Clover, they switch to a completely different type of paper to get a different effect across mm-hmm. in their work. And I love that shit. And they're just so, so, so much attention to detail as a group. And that's really cool to just consider that kind of collaborative effort. Because four people, that's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And the way they've divvied up how shit gets done without them, like, you know, ending up like beating the shit out of each other in frustration is really cool to see. And it just seems like they, you know, I think they've gotten looser and looser with it as they've gone on, as they've gotten older and trust each other more and stuff. But they really like hammer out as a group, like a unique vision for each thing that they're doing and delineate roles in a way that gets a very specific thing. And also though, that there's so, you know, there's one person, one member of the group that comes up with the storylines with everything and it's kind of fun too because she's like surprising like the other artists in the group the three other ladies talk about how they'll literally be brought to tears when they come in on monday and read the new script (laughs) they don't know what's going to happen and so if there's a huge character death or something in a script, I mean, they're just as surprised as the reader oftentimes but then they have to go draw it you know (laughs) which i thought i think is really fascinating so anyways, shall we get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. I'm excited. <laughs> this is going to be a fun one. Clamp, by the way, which if you have no idea the fuck we're talking about, right? You're just, you're driving in the road. You're like, I <laughs> Are they talking Traffic's- about that one-off character from Futurama? <laughs> no. I bet they're talking about the one-off character from Futurama who goes clamps a lot. I bet that's who they're talking <laughs> they're about. They're just driving in their car. They're just like, I'm going to jerk this over the bridge. I'm so sick of this GD traffic. I can't even curse correctly. So I'm so mad at my stupid, you know, my dumb kids are flunking out of circus class or whatever it is you're freaking out. I don't even know what grown adults do. I I sit in here in my little bubble. But anyways, <laughs> clam, where were we? Clamp. Clamp. You were going to talk about <laughs> what is a clamp anyway? Clamp is an all-female manga artist group whose members include their fearless leader, Nanase Okawa, the story person, who is the writer in addition to three artists named Makona, Subaki, Mick, Nakoi, and Satsuki Igarashi. I think I said all of their older names, though. They changed their names. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing. They just did it for funsies. They first formed in the mid-'80s, and their most iconic works, notable works, include X, 1999, which we mentioned, Magic Knight Ray Earth, Cardcaptor uh, Sakura, Chobits, and Holic. Again, spelled XXX Holic, if you want to check that out. Are there other ones before we even move on, Katie, that you think are worth mentioning right up top? I mean, the ones that I remember are Clover and uh, Angelic Lair. Yes, Angelic mm. Lair also kind of their first foray into show, like full-on shonen a little bit. Or is that, yeah, I was, I'm trying to keep it all together. They've made a lot of stuff. Yeah. And the thing is, it's all very different. 
Tokyo Babylon too oh, is another yeah. probably that's the one that was kind of their breakthrough. So, anyways, it's like it's a ridiculous amount of stuff, and some of it's <laughs> unfinished, including Clover, which is also an interesting part of the story. Yeah. Did that did that break you, Katie? Uh, that it's on un- kinda. I <laughs> I have a very funny relationship to all these works because of like the time period I associate them with. Uh-huh. So Clover. The reason I started to read Clover. <laughs> What give us what's Clover basically about? What's it basically about? You know, I don't remember a lot of it. It's I'm like these be ra- real. it's like a race of magical kids, yeah, sort of. And there's like magical there's in a future- kids, and it's like, you know, it's kind of like Akira, but like well dressed and happy. I don't know. It's <laughs> like I haven't I haven't read it since I was like a teenager. Yeah, yeah. But the reason I read it is because I went to Big Apple Anime Con, a thing that no longer exists. <laughs> and uh, it was my first ever anime convention. Oh and my god. I was like 13. Did you cosplay? No, but I I was definitely in a, a, a outfit. This is like <laughs> probably 2002 or some shit. So I'm wearing like a plaid skirt and I had like a goth Hello Kitty patch that I put on it and like made like a fake wallet. Ch- you know, there yeah, was a yeah, look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And me and my best friend were online <laughs> And this guy that I really was, like the idea of a fake wallet chain, like you pull the chain and it's just a little note that says, I don't have money. No, it was like literally like designed to look. I don't know. I was trying I was trying something out. Anyway, I, I'm online with my friend Eric and uh, this guy who was too old to be dressed as Link <laughs> was trying to what now I'm realizing was flirting with mm. me at the time. I'm like, everyone here is so nice. <laughs> and he asked me if I was cosplaying and I said no. And, you know, my hair's dyed, but I used to have like natural, like dirty blonde hair that kind of like did an Aeon Flux thing. And he's like, oh, I thought you were dressed as the girl from Clover. Mm. And I was like, What's that? So then I had to go read it because I'm like, this is me now. <laughs> Didn't leave as much of an impression as the other work, but like, unfortunately, that's always what I think of now is like an inappropriate <laughs> man dressed as Link. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and Starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Was that your first experience with Clamp or was it Cardcaptor Sakura anime? It was definitely yeah, the anime, the Cardcaptors anime. Gotcha, was gotcha. my first experience of Clamp. But I didn't put it together. It was like a whole thing until later. Well, it's and again, they're so different. Clover is actually gorgeous. It's all very good looking. Mm-hmm. A lot of their stuff is like very ornate and very, uh, you know, depending on the tone of the series, it's either like like holic, inky and gothic or like in Chobits or Cardcaptor Sakura, very pastel and flowy. Clover has this very stark, like negative space, kind of very deliberate style where they're doing a lot of very interesting things. I feel like it's this is one of the things that makes Clamp so long lived and so popular is they will adapt to the times. So I feel like this was around 
your serial experiments lane and your like elfin lied kind of totally. era. And Clover is very much this mysterious girl from a lab mm-hmm. who's like taken out of her environment and yeah. has to like experience the world. But she has a dark, powerful secret that like she tries to contain and she has fancy robot angel wings that come out every oh, now and then. I love that. 13 <laughs> <laughs> year old me, I'm like, ooh, they got wings for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> so initially, they were an 11 member collective of high school girls that started publishing Dojinchi in 1984. Dojinchi, essentially Japan's version of zines mm-hmm. or fan fiction, even manga that is self published, a lot of times based off of some other original work. The three girls that got this ball rolling were Makona, Subaki Nekoi, and Satsuki Igarashi, who were all good friends at school. Then they met Nanasi Okawa through a mutual friend. A mutual friend, they were like selling their work, a mutual friend picked it up, showed it to Okawa, who was like already really interested in just exploring it as a hobby and was really into storytelling. And that's how they all met up. Before they became known for shoujo manga, shoujo, by the way, that is the, is it teen girl or young girl manga? Shoujo. I don't know the exact translation. I think it's young girl because like Shonen's young boy. Yeah. yeah. So they become known for that, of course, especially with Cardcaptor Sakura and stuff. But their first works were based on Shonen Fair, such as Captain Tsubasa, Saint Seiya, also Jojo, oh, right? Was this jo- is, Jojo was so some of their early stuff. From time immemorial, from like the weird Trek nerds that like immediately dialed in on the homosexual tension between Kirk and Spock <laughs> in the 60s to the X-Men weirdos that draw nothing but Gambit and Wolverine kissing on DeviantArt, (laughs) to the legions of fans on AO3. As soon as a male creator just like makes something full of beautiful men and just gives them no personality, no relationships, and no like inner world, it is the female fans that swoop in and kind of put the pieces together (laughs) and say... The author clearly wanted them to smooch each other. I'm just filling in that last mile. Let me help you out. Yeah. So (laughs) stuff like Saint Seiya, which we'll never do an episode on, is this action show with these beautiful men in ornate armor. Like, it is gorgeous. Like, the beauty of the male form is on full display. And we've talked about how JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is full of homoerotic overtones uh, from beginning to end. And one of their most popular early uh, doujinshis was called Jojo's Bizarre Married Life, (laughs) which uh, detailed a relationship in which Jotaro Kujo and Kakyoin from part three of Stardust Crusaders have a full married life together. They have to navigate getting their marriage license. They have to, you know, because Kakyoin is so fastidious and he's the homemaker and Jojo, he's too cool and just, you know, doesn't care. And how are they going to make it work? Romance is in the details, you know? It's like, they don't just want to see them do it. It's like, what is their day-to-day like? (laughs) It makes it so much more real. (laughs) Within the JoJo community, this is a very big deal. In 1994, they released a second chapter of this doujinshi in which Kakyoin lays an egg (laughs) and their son, Jota Kujo, emerges. And he has a little baby stand that's like half 
starred platinum and half <laughs> hierophant green. Wow. And he grows up. And so Jota Kujo is there, like weird original character. And within the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure community, which has become its own meme juggernaut on the internet, that is how Clamp is connected with that lore. That is so fucking funny. So they end up managing to self-publish by borrowing printing equipment from school under the grounds that they would also print out school materials. So very already very savvy <laughs> self-starters. Just mimeographing <laughs> yeah. your kissy boy comics. Totally, totally, totally. Well, I love looking. it. Uh, also, I, this is a good time for me to request this. Fans, please stop sending me homemade drawings of me making love to the Hamburglar. All right? We get it. Okay? <laughs> I bet I would have a good time with them on an evening rendezvous, but we don't need graphic, you know, I mean, my, my child lives here. I Everybody mean, on, focuses on that one look you two exchanged <laughs> in the third episode where they're like, ooh, there's something going on between them. But it's it was, it's a platonic working relationship you have with the Hamburglar. Ravel, ravel, baby. Also, stop breaking the Grimace's heart. <laughs> yeah, seriously, dude, anyways, come on. They always draw him in the background looking on He's very so upset. patient with this obsession you guys have but inside he's breaking his heart is breaking which I'm assuming is a chicken nugget yeah exactly it's definitely a chicken nugget in the shape of a heart you bastards and those nuggets are overrated by the way All right, don't give me enough food opinions lord knows our audience uh, gets upset when I get into food opinions essentially this subgroup of friends worked with a few other groups which is how they got to 11 members and they wanted to pull everyone's work together for a book and they gave it a title and the title was clamp the name clamp is kind of odd because it's like a bunch of potatoes jake it's weird it is a term in agriculture in which you are harvesting potatoes or any other underground you know a radish a turnip just any tuberous underground vegetable (laughs) and you store them in the field maybe you're not ready to like collect them all at once you store them in a compact pile that is known as a clamp. Huh. And so the idea for this it's compacted pile of potatoes <laughs> is how they would refer to themselves. Yeah, I think it's like, kind of adorable. They're just a bunch of potatoes. Yeah, yeah all in a bunch. It, it, it just the idea is that it's just a gaggle of, of folks mm-hmm. making stuff together. And yeah, but it's surprising. The most surprising thing about the early history, 11 members to start. In 1987, they decided to switch gears and create original work, which amounted to... RG Veda. Uh, they started working on this, at least. This was a loose adaptation of the Rig Veda, which is an ancient Indian collection of hymns based on Eastern mythology. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's very deep lore it filled it, it's Indian a lot of sexy people religion. with long hair fighting each other in togas right exactly how i would describe rg veda and while they're working on that there's an editor at wings manga magazine that caught wind of their work from that clamp book that they put out and asked them to submit something so they submit a 60 page story as a sample this was rejected for a few reasons nanase okawa said everything was bad first of all we had never actually completed one story as a group before so we didn't know how to unite our ideas into one cohesive concept. Secondly, all of our skills, writing, construction, technique, etc., were still very green. So we were told that it was possible to put the work into wings as it was. Even still, we were told that if we came up with a news story and submitted a rough draft that they liked, then they might consider publication. That's when we submitted Saiden. Saiden is just the Japanese name for RG Veda. The full name in Japan is Saiden Rigu. Veda. 
Satsuki Igarashi said, it was originally a single story. We were told that if readers' responses were good, we could run three more volumes. Well, they were, so we did. The three stories we wrote were the first part of Sidon that we included in the first volume of the book. They told us again that if the demand was still there, we could write even more, and it was. So we were able to continue Sidon as a series. This was a very touch-and-go process with a constant threat of being dropped if the readers' responses ever became lackluster. So, I mean, it's literally the point where, like I said, none of these people went to school for this. This was really a hobby that they ended up just like almost accidentally turning into a full-on career for themselves. Like, they were looking for other jobs. (laughs) They had other career aspirations, potentially, like normal life career stuff. And, And they really just like kept following that success on this and it just turned into this like huge boon for them. And so during this process, they moved to a two-bedroom oh. apartment in Tokyo. <laughs> no, not a two-bedroom. It was bedroom. a one-bedroom? I had to look this I up. I mean, they, it was nothing. No, it was okay. like so Oliver it was Twist a, style. It was yeah. a no-bedroom. Wow. It is a style of Japanese apartment. Oh, it's like the old Known one. as a yeah. 2LDK, which stands for living room, dining room, kitchen. And basically, six of them just set up their desks in the living quarters and had to sleep under their desks, eat at their desks, share a single bathroom, yeah. and just spent all day. Oh, they didn't even have cell phones. <laughs> they shared a single phone line. Six yeah, crazy. comic creators <laughs> in Tokyo. Man, Japan, something else. As Holden said at the top of the show, Magna Cairo is like, what if everything was as bad for me as possible? Let's just do it. <laughs> oh, I feel like shit and then die under mysterious circumstances. Exactly. Let's well, go. And Anasa has said of the experience, I thought I was gonna die there. <laughs> there was no privacy. The only space to get away from each other was under their desks. Mm-hmm. And while there, they are needing to like grow and learn and get better at this while they're putting out this manga that continues to get, you know, accepted into the magazine. And they're regularly attending Tokyo's Comic Hat, a semi-annual doujinshi convention. This is their informal education space. This is where they're meeting other amateur mangaka, learning tricks of the trade, learning how about self-publishing even, things like that. And this is, uh, you know, totally the craziest part of this whole thing to me is just that they like had no formal education. And then they also skipped the whole part where they work under a famous mangaka and learn all of the tricks of the trade and, and do this whole thing, which, you know, time and time again, whenever we do an episode like this, that's, almost always the story. So it is incredibly impressive to me that as a collective, they were able to thrive and not just survive, but become like top of the heap in terms of groups and, and different mangaka out there putting stuff out. So let's get in the process. I'm excited to talk about the process. As they tell it, Nanase comes up with a story first. Then, according to her, we all get together to discuss the purpose of the story and its main characters. This part is likened by the ladies to sitting around a campfire telling stories. It's real loose and totally just word of mouth. Nanase said, when I was a kid on Health Sports Day... (laughs) Remember Health Sports Day, uh... (laughs) <laughs> Katie and Jake, remember that day where we all had to do health I mean, sports? We, we had the presidential fitness challenge. Yeah. We were humiliated ritualistically <laughs> in America as well. Yeah, or, or oh, like... Oh, I can you jump, Jake? I want to see like, it. Uh, what was that like color war field day we had we had field day Field day, yeah yeah that was brutal Where i would just be like i got asthma so don't pick me like, <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> well my wife grew up in florida she had asthma they made her run anyways it traumatized her oh man 
Nanase said, when I was a kid on Health Sports Day, if it rained, a teacher would ask me to tell a story to the class. She also shares any location ideas or character designs that she has in her head at this time, sometimes offering up scribbles of the designs. She has a lot of very specific ideas of what the characters should look like in her head, that sort of thing. Makona said... At this phase, Nanase has decided characters, figures, hairstyles, and even clothes. Our job as designers is to see how close we can get our art to match her original version. Then, along with the completed outline, comes a final decision on the story setting. And for characters, they come to a consensus on each character's birthday and height. That is the specific choice they made. Ladies they, love <laughs> astrology! Uh, is, is Ladies that what, love that's what astrology. it is, right? That's totally what it is, right? That is so funny. And height. And I'm surprised we height. didn't mention blood type. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, blood type, I'm surprised isn't in there. But, you know, you got to know. <laughs> and if a character is under 6'1", uh, they are murdered uh, before the story gets written. It's very upsetting. Satsuki said, once it's done, we create a character's profile sheet. With this chart, we won't get confused later. Because they, at a point, they deal with so many characters, it's a lot. I watched an interview that's available on YouTube with all four of them. And they showed uh, Sakura's... Uh, character sheet and it looks like a D&D profile yeah and like they have a whole file of these characters and I think it's part of what lets them bring characters back in different forms for stuff like uh, Subasa Reservoir which kind of just took all of their characters and kind of cast them in these new roles it's kind of an interesting system almost the same way that fan fiction circles kind of uh, keep up their, with their OCs and like can place their OCs in different scenarios. I mean, it's interesting. It's like they accidentally created a show Bible. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's completely what it is. And once they've gotten to this point, they send a simple short story version of it and send it to their editor. If this is approved, Nanase then writes out the full story and, quote, whoever is in charge will draw a rough sketch. Nanase said, quote, whoever's in charge because this is subject to change. Nanase said, sometimes different people do characters and backgrounds, but then on other occasions, one person may draw everything. Makona said, and sometimes it's a little of all of the above. It's like this character is done by so-and-so and this one by such-and-such. McCona such. said, an original comic story is quite like a script for a movie or anime. It even explains what's included in each frame. And this also can include notes on movement of the characters, the props they wield, and the emotional state of the characters as well. I think, again, that this really helps them make really dynamic work mm -hmm. that, that they constantly are switching their roles around and who approaches, you know, cause they're all going to approach characters, backgrounds in totally different ways. They you know, can play to people's like strengths and mm -hmm. weaknesses. Totally. Cause I know like the traditional system, it's like one dude and a bunch of people <laughs> below them. But the idea is to imitate that one dude. But yeah. in this, they're like admitting that each person does something differently. And I love that they switch it up. It's why their work is so diverse. And I think that's the coolest thing they've got going. What were you going to say, Jay? Oh, uh, I just, I saw, Again, there's like all these clips and just excerpts on YouTube and uh, one of them showed their work process and it was uh, Makona, I think it was for Holic, Makona just does the layouts of the pages mm. and gets the character positioning done. Then it was Satsuki kind of comes in and uh, fills in the ink lines and then it was Nikoi who does like the very ornate kind of, yes. uh, oh. I, I, I want to say fringe yeah. work yeah, and kind of the art All the sparkles. Styles. Yeah. <laughs> all yeah. Those, but the layouts too, that's, Makona's awesome. Those big wet tears. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. It just ever, like the dress, all the clothes in that, you know, they, they lean so Oof. hard into the clothing on, on that one. All the clothes. Uh, one of the things that made Cardcaptor Sakura so uh, 
you know, it didn't like break the mold that Sailor Moon laid out, you know, structurally, but just the fact that like she changed her costume almost every episode. Yeah. So like every time it was something unique and communicated something different about the character and it made the animators have to redraw the entire transformation sequence every time. There's a funny quote. It's like, it's just, we just thought it was sad that a, a girl would have to wear the same outfit every single time. We just thought that was like a bummer for, for the characters. Yeah. That was awesome. And also, I mean, but I, you can probably say, I mean, what is, I mean, card captor Sakura is only second to sailor moon when it comes to at the, least in the West. It's like, yeah, that's a uh, number two. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So yeah, as I mentioned before, they do not use assistance even at this point in their careers. They feel they wouldn't have as fast of an output with assistance because as McCona puts it, quote, they probably wouldn't be able to understand the 10 years worth of jargon we created among ourselves. <laughs> but I also thought this was an interesting point to make about not using assistance. Igarashi said, I think when you're working on a project, there are certain things you can't say to assistants and editors and such, even though they're working on the project with you. However, because the four of us are a team, we all share in both the good times and the bad so they can just be blunt and honest with each other and not have to worry about like politeness and pleasantries when it comes to getting the work done I think is what that means mm. essentially and they're all like workhorses I mean their day starts at like 10 a.m. and ends at like one in the morning Oof. one person did a did a rundown of how like on Monday morning Okawa comes in early and writes the script and then they come in and just immediately get to work and it's just, yeah, it's just that it goes. And then I think every like two or three weeks, they get one day off <laughs> and go have fun. Yeah. That's the, that's their life. Well, you know, they got they got hobbies like uh, Okawa is a big fan of films. Uh, Makona they loves different hobbies. Fiber yeah. arts. She nice. uh, can sew her own kimonos. I believe it was Satsuki said that she's a gamer. And in the interview uh, I watched, she said she was really caught up in Shin Megami Woo! Tensei 2. Yeah. She was playing a lot of Shin Megami Tensei 2. Hell yeah, dog. That's like it that rules. That kind of makes sense. Yes. <laughs> They've also designed the cover page for almost all of their works. I love this quote. I love cohesiveness like this. Nanase said, we believe everything in a comic from front to back cover is important to the story, so we want total coordination. And I love that attention to like the whole thing. It's kind of back when I was doing shows I and I was like teaching people like about how to like put on like a sketch comedy show or whatever. Um, uh, was like, hey, the second they enter the move, the the theater, it, they're in the, your show. 
Like, this is your experience you're giving them. So, like, you want to set the scene from the beginning. We don't fuck around when it comes to the music that's playing, the vibe in the room, whatever, right? And I just, I, th- I think that quote, like, really speaks towards that, like, full control of the product. I love that about this group. So, let's get into the 90s where all the shit starts popping let's off, go. all right? Because, like, RG Veda was, that, that was running starting in 1990. Clamp started then putting out another manga, and this was their big breakthrough called Tokyo Bab. You know, the way they talk about RG Veda definitely is like, well, it was our first thing. You know what I mean? It was definitely like not the thing that they love that's even even out there. You know what I mean? Because they're just like, it's like your first, like it's like going having your first open yeah. mic be published and widely read. You know what I mean? And but really, I mean, they were literal teenagers. It's kind of crazy to think. Yeah. About. Mm-hmm totally crazy and so Tokyo Babylon is what really puts them on the map it was um, also their first original work wasn't adapted from any source material there's no Joe stars in it banging <laughs> other Joe stars uh, it centers around twins named Subaru and uh, Hokuto who protect Tokyo from supernatural evils while living with an older man named Seishiro uh, hubba hubba. Immediately, we have a reoccurring theme in Clamp's work, exploring individuality as well as an element that often recurs, and that is that characters that are twins, yeah. uh, which Holix got that immediately. Um, so much of their work has twins in it. I'm not sure why. Do we have they any love like Budweiser? Wee, twins. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, destiny. Yes, destiny plays a yeah. huge part in Clamp's greater oeuvre. Yes, oh, I also think there's something like uh, kind of magical and like unknown about mm. twins, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also because they're so tight knit group, and there's this thing about like yes. an unspoken bond that is bigger than time itself. You know what I mean? And we I- we just <laughs> talked about how they they can't have assistance because they don't speak their language that they've yeah. created over <laughs> ten years. That totally makes sense, absolutely. And then Okawa is obsessed with destiny, but especially obsessed with the fact that like the way that you can change your destiny. And she's very, and I think again, that has to do with their story. They all were so close to living quote unquote, like normal lives, regular, you know, and then they just went and just went for it, you know, and ended up achieving great success. And they follow again, they just like followed that success and also that fear and like really took that leap, like moving to Tokyo and living that shitty apartment must have been fucking crazy for them, you know, as it is for so many of us who make that choice to like leave the family structure, leave the normal thing and like go live in somewhere like New York city and sleep under your desk in an overcrowded city. My first New York apartment, you're giving me flashbacks. (laughs) Honestly, that place was in a horrible part of bed. I I mean, it was small as shit. It was, you know, the smell. Yeah. The smell. I was afraid. Like it was (laughs) scary just to go to the bodega at night to get like a, a 40 of Budweiser, which is all I could afford to like (laughs) to have some drinks before bed. Like, cause I, I was like, I might get jumped. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's wild to do that. And also so respect, uh, I have so much respect for that and like love that they have this story. I love how it's like almost like a punk yes. house, but it's just these like women <laughs> who want to draw beautiful yeah, just these dirty <laughs> girls that are like, they're not even women at that, but you know what I mean? They're just like so young, just drawing horny, you know, dude lovers. Yeah. Speaking of which, the relationship between Seishiro and Subaru, at least in the West, it was one of the first, honest 
approaches to a portrayal of a gay relationship in in something like this. And mm-hmm. so that was like a huge deal having it just be, you know, this like not, you know, I especially not being like it being like a gimmick, you know, but really just being a part of the story. Um that was definitely like uh, a really cool. The series is also notable for both being enjoyed by a female and male audience as it had a decent mix of shojo and shonen uh, manga elements. Uh, and Okawa said, it really reflects how young we were. This is what she says about the series. There's a lot of our works that if we were to do now, we'd do them differently, but that's not the case of Babylon. The way we made it is a reflection of its time, I guess. It's a series we made because it was the 1980s. And even though it's, I think it started coming out in 1990, like they really look at it as it's basically the 80s, 80s for <laughs> sure. Have you read, have any of us, have you guys read it? I've never read it. I've never. I've seen it on a right. shelf, you know, during the, the search where you had to find like, <laughs> Like any sort of anime or manga artifact by like digging through a, 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 a right, dungeon right. crawl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like it'd be really cool academically to read almost in a way to like get a, a, that taste of like 80s style and, you know, especially the culmination of 80s style and, and also to see the first thing that really put them out there. Though I think the thing I'm most excited about from this time period is X. Woo! Yes, let's, let's get into talk it. about it. X is crazy. <laughs> yeah, give me, give me. I've, I've got a taste for my nuts. research, right. but like, give me you guys. Give me the the. I think, Katie, you mentioned this. Having heard you d- uh, watch the movie recently, I went back and watched the movie recently, and <laughs> holy shit! I mean, what I love about X is, you know, I, the thing about. <laughs> The time period when I first experienced a lot of this stuff is like it's very desperate and like unattached from each other because like I'm watching and reading things completely out of context. You know, I'm reading like volume 13 of something or like episodes three and four of like a hundred episodes. So but the funny thing about X is that's always the experience of it. (laughs) It just never quite totally makes sense, but in the best way possible. And I the basic plot is there's like you know, a demon's gonna come and take over everything. So these No, like, the dragons of heaven okay, I'm sorry. Uh, want to cleanse the world. <laughs> yes. Or is it the dragons of earth? I forget there's which one, dragons are which. There's one in heaven and one on earth, and if the, the two twain meet, then shit gets real. <laughs> and uh, then there's like, pick your fighter. It's a fighting game. Oh, I'm I'm the guy with this power. And like, oh, I'm a girl with a, a dog who fights for me. And I'm a sexy lady prostitute. And then also they uh, fight inside of domes that they summon from the sky Mm -hmm. that puts you in an alternative dimension. (laughs) Okay. All right. So this is, this is something that Okawa had like in her back pocket forever. This sweeping epic narrative about the end of the world and humanity's role in the universe. And like these faded enemies and lovers like torn asunder uh, and yeah, uh, uh, d- like there is a cl- there is a prostitute warrior, yeah. <laughs> and she has this like enlightened attitude about sex work. And there's like a salaryman guy, yes. who's like, listen, I know humanity's fucked, but I got a family, and I love my family. I want to give the I'd rather have them in a doomed, shitty world than nothing. Yeah. And so there's like all these philosophy things going on. A lot of the- like red string, like I don't want to fight this fight, but you must. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Kamui is our main character, beautiful pointy boy. Yes. And his best friend, Fuma, a different, slightly taller pointy boy. And they are they are uh, clashing against destiny. 
The movie was animated by Madhouse. Yeah. Incredible uh, animation. And the series wasn't finished yet. So the director actually went to uh, Okawa and was like, so like kind of what can I get done in like 90 minutes or so? <laughs> and she's like, well, you could do this and this and this. And they make it together. The animation is gorgeous. It is horrifically violent. There's nudity. Oh, yeah. They introduce a million characters at once. It's like it's like female gaze ninja scroll in a lot of ways. It is exactly female gaze ninja scroll. <laughs> and I'm like a dum-dum. So like any movie or like OVA from this time period, I will watch because it always looks gorgeous. It never makes a lick of sense, but this one's really fun. Oh, no, no, no. As soon as within the first 10 seconds of the movie, our main character's mother appears before him, strips naked yes. and uh, rips a giant sword out of her yes. womb and hands it to him. I'm like, this, I'm on, I understand what is happening. Yeah, <laughs> and this is a great example of what I'm talking about, that clamp style man, where their crotch starts... <laughs> Where your like clavicle should be, <laughs> it's yeah. all legs. Yeah, they call. I believe they also called the noodle style. Yeah, so I said that word before. Yeah, it's, they have it's also the big hands. Those yes. classic. I this is a this is a very dated term, but them yowie hands yeah. are very all over the place. What can they? Yeah, I mean, what could they possibly do with those giant hands? I mean, good lord, <laughs> gently yet powerfully caress each other's faces. Yes, <laughs> rabble, rabble, indeed. Uh, Okawa has been conceptualizing an end-of-the-world epic since middle school. This was the result. Its themes center around humanity's responsibilities to itself, family, and the planet. And this is also the first work where they start doing the thing I think is also the... Uh, I think it's the other really cool thing that they do. They start introducing a shared universe. There are characters from Tokyo Babylon. There's also characters from another work we didn't mention, Clamp School Detectives. And it's a very important event for the team as the idea of a shared universe of characters Characters for the work of Clamp is one of the coolest things about their work, sets them apart from many other artists, uh, especially since the range and genre of their different projects is astounding in its own right. So very cool thing. Also, another recurring element of Clamp happens with this manga in that it is still not finished. Yep. In this instance, <laughs> it was actually due to the dark nature of the events of the story. There were uh, real life events mirroring it, like earthquakes in Japan, 9-11. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Stuff like that that they were they just got icky and now Near I feel pornographic like depictions of the city of Tokyo being just destroyed in horrific violence. Right, it's interesting right. though because that's so much. That's like so much of manga and and animation. Yeah, you know, in general. So I, I, it's interesting that they're the ones that got really screwed from it. No, Dragon Ball. They're like, hey, let's go to this empty field that's easy to draw, and we won't <laughs> hurt as many people. Yeah, in the eighties though, there was a lot of stuff like you know anything that's like Demon City Shijinko. Mm. They're just like, what if we just dropped another bomb on our traumatized <laughs> yeah, country? Yeah, so they, <laughs> but it's a demon one. Yeah, it's like, funny. Usually they just lean into it. I mean, Godzilla came from you know the the Akira. Yeah, it's, atomic. Uh, now that, you're, now that we're talking about it, Tokyo gets fucked, man. But that is my experience of Clamp 2 is like nothing's finished and it's like maddening. It's like almost like a curse. Yeah, people definitely feel that way. I had somebody in chat bring up the ending issue. I will say it's less than you would think considering how much stuff they've done. Totally. On a chart on Wikipedia, I, think, I believe it's five different works. I'll get into that. The specific ones later. Clover's one of them. This is one of them. But it's like five different ones that are fully just went on hiatus and never returned. A lot of stuff has been completed to varying degrees of success. But yeah, it's still, I don't know, man. 
I, I haven't even read X and I'm mad that it's not finished. Especially if it's an apocalyptic. Just thing. watch the movie. Yeah. Yeah, Just yeah. watch the movie, dude. You will not get get California uh goofy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is definitely a California goofy experience. <laughs> <laughs> You just let it wash over you. Don't ask. Don't ask questions. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That is the way I like to enjoy things in general, honestly, is like I I want it to not make sense. Another series I desperately want mentioned uh, on this show is Magic Knight Ray Earth. Yes. Which is another one of their 90s hits, which involved uh, three uh, color-coded eighth grade girls transported to a magical land of fantasy, uh, basically isekai before isekai. Where uh, they have to rescue this this en- enchanted kingdom. One has a cool sword. One has a bow and arrow. One has a uh, kind of French pokey sword. I forget what they're called. The, you know, the more elegant <laughs> yeah. sword. A French pokey. Yeah, oh, you oh, had a right. Rapier. Yes. <laughs> they get giant mechas. They fight monsters. They worry about who they have crushes on, including each other, question mark. Uh, it's a fantastic series and really... Uh, just mushes a bunch of genres together in a very unique way that uh, really, you know, not until the big isekai boom was it like so just all the pieces in place. And it's it was uh, it's been around forever. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. It's very fun. So lots of really good 90s ass anime action. Yeah, and while while that has its foot halfway through the door of Magical Girl, this is when we can get into it. They go full Magical Girl with probably their most notable work, Card Captors Sakura. Let's go. Shoujo magazine Nakayoshi wanted another series from them after their successful run of Magical Knight Rayearth. So they decided to set their sights on the pure Magical Girl story, uh, largely for the challenge. Uh, because they've just been doing so much dark stuff, or even in Magic Knight Ray Earth, I was going to call it Magical Girl Ray Earth, even in Magic Knight Ray Earth, they have these, like, we, we watched, like, one episode of it on our study session, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. You can join us for our study session, $50 a month on Discord. Oh, it's a good time! And we watched an episode of that, and there were, like, giant hell beasts and stuff, but just these, like, little cutesy <laughs> girls, and it was just, it was, it was a fun mix, but y- you still had that element of that stuff, so... They were like, we don't have a big background in Magical Girl. And a lot of their endings, too, and uh, just plot points and a lot of their other stuff was very tragic, more on the dark side of things. They're killing off characters that make people sad, things like that. They're like, what if we just did something warm and like just had something that was on the cute end of things? And uh, so they decided to put out a uh, card capture. Uh, and so, yeah, they, 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 you could probably, I'm sure Katie, you could probably tell, t- talk more towards this, but like, I think because of that fact, they ended up creating something more successful in the magical girls genre because they had this completely different background, you, different. You know, like, it's really interesting now thinking about it in the context of what they're making before because it totally makes sense. So the, the main plot point basically is this little girl, like, she's like in fourth grade, yeah, finds a a cult book in her dad's house, mm-hmm. a house that she's running by herself, by the <laughs> yeah, way, because yeah. she's cleaning because <laughs> no one does anything, even though she's like 11. Uh, and uh, it releases these monsters that they, she has to like capture like these tarot deck type cards. But the designs of the cloud card monsters are a lot more sophisticated than I would say I would normally associate with something that is like essentially a little kid show. Uh-huh. And I think that, really stood out um and also that yeah it's just like 
it's very lighthearted and fun, but there is definitely this like weird sadness of like, why is she by herself all the time? <laughs> like she's like in love with an older man who doesn't know she's alive and like her best friend who's like doing world star on her like it's just so like i have a quote from okawa that says um <laughs> she wanted a story with a protagonist who had an open mind towards different family structures different kinds of love and different perspectives from society because mm-hmm. um i i'll get into it in a second what nelvana and kids wb did to this series but most of the series isn't really all about like capturing these magical monsters it really no. is about her crushes, her friends, her family, and all this stuff. It's almost like they gave her kind of like a Peter Parker thing where it's like she has to go out at night and save her loved ones, and then she has mm-hmm. to deal with that like nobody knows about it. Uh-huh. And that's uh-huh. like the larger plot point is that nobody knows about it. <laughs> and there are tons of untraditional relationships throughout this series. Katie, you mentioned that she has a crush on her brother's friend Yukito, uh, who is this beautiful silver-haired lithe man. Um, uh, Sharon, Sharon, I can't pronounce the name, but the boy, the sword boy, if you remember from the original Kids WB thing, in the original manga and anime, also has a crush on Yukito. Yeah. And it is their shared tragic love that they cannot be with this older boy is what first bonds them together and makes them a fated couple Mm. by the end of the series. Yeah. Which is insane. The world star friend who makes all of her outfits and constantly films her with a camera just flat out says, like, I am in love with Sakura, but yeah. I know our feelings will never be reciprocated. Yeah, there's like a whole speech where it's like, why do you make all her stuff? And she's like, because I'm in love with her and this is like the only way I can show my love for her in a, a normal way or whatever. <laughs> By the end of the series, Yukito, the, the, the high school boy everybody wants a piece of, reveals that he's in love. With uh, Sakura's brother, brother, yeah, the entire time, and they become a fated couple that reappear later in the uh, metaverse of Clamp Stuff. And, uh, and there's even weird stuff. We, that was weird uh, stuff. For what example, Sakura's mom is dead. <laughs> yes, and it is revealed that she fell in love with her father when she was 16, and he was her teacher. Yeah, and but that is just, just straight up there some traditional anime bullshit. I'm not saying it's good. There is another plot line <laughs> in which Sakura's friend uh, Reika, I believe, falls in love with. Uh, her teacher and he says that I feel the same way and I can only promise to marry you later when you are of age and that is also makes them a fated couple who appear together later all of this stuff completely obliterated when they brought it to America for Kids WB. They're like, what, is this girl's Pokemon? Let's uh, let's get on that. <laughs> they literally cut out like half the episodes, changed the order, changed every single, even remotely queer relation, and they put uh, Shauron to be the deuteragonist <laughs> of the series, even though Sakura is the main character unabashedly in the original all the promo materials like, that's right, it's Sharon and Sakura <laughs> together, like fighting monsters, right. doing cool boy action. Literally, in America, they brought it in as card captors, ah. left Sakura out of it, and they changed the theme song mm. to that rollicking Pokemon-ass thing that I played earlier, as opposed to the incredible song, oh. Catch You, Catch Me, <laughs> All-time by Gumi, Megumi Hinata. April, if you can just play a little bit of this delightful, jaunty bop. I mean, this era of themes song let me tell you something (laughs) yeah yeah it's awesome gets me hype (laughs) 
but it's these themes of like alternative uh I don't want to say alternative lifestyles but at the time that's what they would have called them yeah. right uh you know this deeper emotional well, I, core weird, weirdo love <laughs> yeah 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 totally all this attention to freaks <laughs> yeah well it's like it's very interesting seeing like Western networks try to deal with it. I yeah. mean, like the famous one is in Sailor Moon yeah. where they made a uh, Sailor Uranus. They're just like, yeah, that's yeah. a boy. And yeah, they're yeah. cousins. <laughs> if anyone asks, they're cousins. They're cousins oh, no, that's right? different. There's different. I'm sorry. We, there was definitely, different. we definitely covered that in our Sailor Moon episode way back when. Uh, yeah, for sure. He, he races cars. There's nothing trans or gay here, ladies. Uh, well, speaking of weird love, shall we get into the work of the 2000s from Clamp oh, starting we got with... It. All right. Let's Jobits. go. Persicoms. Let's talk about There's them. no bits like Jobits. Like no robot lady I know. Find a naked teenager oh. in the alley. <laughs> Drag her back into your weirdo home. <laughs> Turns out that she cannot yep. speak some English. Oh no, I guess we'll have some wacky adventures. All right, now Jake, please try not to achieve Dude. an erection during this part. I know that this always- I will always... never. Even, <laughs> even, at, even in the 2000s, even- at my college anime club, it, whenever the sweatiest weirdo in the back was like, what if we watched Showbits? <laughs> like the whole room was like, no, <laughs> no, that's a bad Hubert. Hubert, go back to the engineering department. We Hubert. mentioned it before, but Chobits is a romantic comedy about a college student who finds an abandoned personal computer shaped like a lady, not a robot lady, a personal computer in the shape of a I would a say girl. Okay. I would say shape like a girl. Um, I just know you turn her on by pushing a button that's right up right up by the vagina between the thighs. I remember up that part. By uh, the vagina or inside of <laughs> it? Oh, was it in it? It I was don't in even, it. We, it is. We briefly. Implied, it is implied that is inside. Oh, okay. It, I can't remember. Inside. It was we very briefly <laughs> viewed uh, a couple of panels during the Sunday study session, but uh, we were worried about, you know, getting involvement from the FBI, so we quickly shut it down. I mean, what can you say though? I, uh, I don't know. Is this just, is this just horny in a bad way? Or, I mean, I think it's kind of cool. These fun ladies are I making am, this. Con- I mean, I feel like if it was done I by a guy. I am obsessed with it okay. because it's so nuts yeah, in the yeah. sense of like, <laughs> so it's not just that. Okay. So the world that they build is that they're computers that are people mainly women and they come in different sizes and models and like there wasn't this the laws of this weren't totally thought out because uh-huh. like as as you consume it you're like wait but do they have social security numbers if they can have a job like how does this work anyway so he find he can't this college student moves he can't afford a computer he's, he's from the sticks so he's never seen one he finds her in the trash so he's like good i can have a computer now when he finally figures out how to turn her on, she cannot speak. And she's supposed to be a dream girl that he's essentially raising because mm. he's like, he, he she doesn't have the right software, so he has to teach her how to be alive. And that's like a major plot point. Um, that's insane to me because they can't figure out the rules of it. Anyway, so <laughs> when I was in high school, right? Like how, in like early, late middle school, how I found out about most anime and manga was like seeing ads for it in publications like Gamers Republic, mm-hmm. where it'd be like a big ad for it. So when I first found out about, oh, and she kind of has like cat ears with the the, mm-hmm. the 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 cord to plug into the TV, like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I I knew what it was, and I remember I had this friend, um, from another school who had a Zanga where he reviewed, um anime 
And he said on it, in a lot of ways, she is the perfect woman. <laughs> and I'm like, and I like, I'm like 14, 15 reading this, and I'm like, a nonverbal, <laughs> passive, dumb baby is the perfect woman. And that was like the moment <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Anime's a problem. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Like it was so- like a trigonometry equation E equals MC square and then just a pair of panties is flying <laughs> by your It's brain. so burned in my memory of me being like, because I didn't really know what feminism was yet. I didn't have that all worked out. I was like, I'm not like other girls. I listen to new metal. Like, right, you know, exactly. and then I <laughs> and it was like this, like Chobits broke my brain. And then I went back and watched it as an adult. It's a horrible show in the best way. I do suggest it. It's a nightmare. <laughs> the rules are crazy. Uh, my favorite thing about the anime is like they're talking about how these uh, the Persicoms, these robot characters, and especially Chi are, are the, yeah, the the main the main character is like the most advanced technology. Want something so insanely cutting edge, it could break the balance of power in the world. And there is like levels of intrigue that it gets into mm-hmm. where like people are trying to like kidnap her or shut her down because she could like destroy all the networks in the world. Um, but anytime she does any computer stuff, the sound effects in the anime is just like the clicky whir of like old hard drives. It's like no computer sounds like that <laughs> yeah. anymore. And, and like, she's essentially like a Palm pilot. Yeah. <laughs> like an IBM Aptiva. You have to like plug her into a tube television to like <laughs> send like, you know, SMS messages. It's fucking crazy. And then there's all these other women that are like throwing themselves at this like essentially useless man. So it's very mm. interesting that it was created by women because I'm like, right. what, what's up? Are you okay? The yeah, harem. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, what is, what, how does the female gaze like work for uh, or the most wish fulfilling harem ass anime? I guess what it comes down to is that the plot is like all these men are in love with these women they can't have because they're robots. (laughs) It's like a thing that comes up over and over again in the show. There's like multiple characters suffering because of that. So I guess it's like a a long game punishment. Okawa said, I love stories about marriages between different kinds of beings, but in Japan, many of those tend to end unhappily and I hate that. So I guess they tried to like explore what it would be like if a relationship actually worked out and you know, the ins and outs of that. I don't know. I, it's Chobits. It's a weird part of their story. After that comes where we're getting now into into my territory a little bit more of what I've really enjoyed for their stuff. Are we done with Chobits? Oh, yeah. Are you okay, Jake? I see you're sweating. I see droplets of perspiration. I, first of all, if I'm thinking about Chobits, it's a giant sweat droplet <laughs> and it is moving perfectly <laughs> vertically down. This floating in front of my head and it's floating downwards. <laughs> 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 then came the super fun gothy Holic, yeah. which is about a high school student who can see the supernatural and ends up getting a job working for a powerful witch who owns a wish granting shop in order to try and get rid of his ability. And the super cool thing about it is that it has this cool crossover situation with another manga run titled Subasa Reservoir Chronicles. A little brief thing about Holic too. Um, XXX is like essentially a blank Mm-hmm. in Japan so it's like blank holic like alcoholic or workaholic and it's exploring different people's addictions mm-hmm. and it's getting into all that and it's pretty fun and she's like helping them get through their addictions but she's like a lot and it's creep it's like got the creepy vibe and the like I think it's um, kind of underrated honestly yeah I'm loving like, it a lot of like 
weeps know about it, but it doesn't have that like mass appeal. Some of this stuff has more goths need to know about it. Truly, that's it how kind I feel. of just blurred into that kind of two thousands era, slightly gothy black yeah. butler, like yeah. just mush in my head. Uh-huh, but uh-huh. reading it, like you said, Holden, it's great. The uh, way that it's like at least who knows you you're probably not very far in it. I would not get very, very far, far in, it, in no. it. Most mangas lose the train like within a year of their initial publishing. But uh, the way that it, at least in this early stage, it is about like, what does it mean to want to change your behavior? Like, mm-hmm. who do you change your behavior for? Mm-hmm. Is the, if it's something you do compulsively, like, can you just decide to stop or, you know, do you, does it require outside interven- intervention? There's like a lot of really deep stuff. And then out of nowhere, fucking Shauron and Sakura from Cardcaptor Sakura yeah. literally fall out of the sky yeah, yeah, and yeah. plop in the middle of the proceedings awesome. because like you said, it's a crossover. So yeah, they wanted to do this insane thing. I think it's so impressive. So Subasa Reservoir Chronicle is uh, based in fantasy. It re- revolves around a witch from uh, from Holic, the, the, one of the major characters, uh, Yuko Ichihara, working with a princess and her archaeologist friend to find and retrieve the princess's memories, which are scattered between several worlds. So that's how they kind of they directly tie the two together. But then also in this very multiverse structural style, they pull in characters from a bunch of previous works, including Card Captors, Sakura. Subasa was their first foray into a full-on shonen manga. Um, you could say Angelic Lair, but that was a little bit more of a genre mix. Yeah. Um, and they released it in Weekly Shonen Jump. This meant that they needed to adapt their style a bit to the genre by drawing with thicker lines and simpler layouts. Yeah, they and, gotta dumb that shit down for the dumb yeah, dumbs. Yeah, they gotta dumb it up for the dumb idiot boys. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they uh, they also even said it was actually more difficult than they even imagined it would be uh, doing this crazy thing where they were they were ma- they were putting out two manga at the same time. They were both interconnected, but they definitely made it a point that like you could read Holic without reading Subasa and still enjoy it, but you get a lot more out of enjoying all of it at once, and even more if you're familiar with their previous work. Because it's it's like a Western comics approach, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally, it's an event, or, right? Yeah, like uh, it's or uh, Tezuka, Sama oh. Tezuka, um, Astro Boy guy. Also used a kind of like star system uh-huh. where characters from previous series would just appear in other series, maybe with a different background, maybe with a different name, but like they would still be the same character archetype. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the, uh, you know, the the characters from Chobits would show up. Uh, the characters from Cardcaptor Sakura would show up and they were still a couple that like these faded loves were like were through would maintain throughout the universe mm-hmm. was like a huge deal. Yeah. Again, destiny, fate, all that good stuff in the themes. Um, also, because there's more action in Subasa, and it therefore it took more pages to tell the story because they'd have all these action pages. At times, they'd have to literally like stop on Holic and let Subasa catch up so that they would both be coming out in the timeline they wanted them. Like that's how tied together they were, which I think is so so crazy and so impressive. Holic runs until 2011, Subasa until late 2009. Uh, and I think it's just like, what? it's so cool. They became known for all this other stuff in the 90s. And then in the 2000s, they're like, all right, let's just really go for some crazy shit. I mean, I feel like they're constantly challenging themselves, which is which is keeping their output fresh. One know? more thing from the 2000s, so people don't yell at us for neglecting to mention it. Sure. Uh, adding to their just like hit parade, they did the character designs for Code Ge- Geass, yes, Code yeah. Lelouch, 
mask boy. Oh, yeah, code, code gay ass. ass. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Oh man, That's I love right. it. Uh, they, yeah, that was. Um, was that an anime or video game? Uh, I mean, it had a lot it of had, different adaptations. Well, initially it, it was. It was a, all. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was all. But initially, it was anime that they provided the character designs for. I believe that was the first time they provided art and design specifically to an anime without it being like adapted from their original work. And was like, it's yeah. kind of crazy. People didn't ask them to do that sooner. I know. Like, character design is such a strong. Totally, work. totally. And all of it, yeah, costumes and all of it. Like, it's so visually yeah. impressive, too. And to see that stuff in motions, even more exciting. So for their 15th anniversary in 2004, um, they put out like a big book about uh, that had all this kind of insider info and how they work and like all the stuff they've done in the past. Um, they also changed their names. Nanase Okawa became Ageha Okawa. Uh, Makona Apapa became simply Makona. Mick Nekoi became Subaki Nekoi. And Satsuki Igarashi stayed that name, but it's written with different characters. And it was kind of for funsies, but also Mick didn't enjoy getting confused for the mem- for Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones and uh, Makona felt her surname sounded immature for some reason so just like chopped it off but anyways that's just a weird thing they did they're just having a good time uh, 2006 also- I kind of like how unhinged <laughs> they are I know they're, they're like, crazy well- <laughs> We're like, we've had massive success. Better change what we're known as. I mean, they've, ne- they've kept up this level of work this entire time. Like, they yeah. never, I don't think any of them married. I don't think any of them started families. Like, their work is their life. So yeah. why not yeah. go balls to the wall and just do it? 100%. Artists true and true. And tw- in the 2010s, they also introduced a new Holic manga titled Holic Ray. It's like a sequel manga and a card capture Sakura Clear, Clear card, card, which people are pretty hot on. Uh, yeah, that's a sequel manga as well. It follows Sakura in junior high school. Yeah, look at her finally getting to age slightly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, th- there was supposed to be a new version of Tokyo Babylon in anime form titled Tokyo Babylon 2021, which was to release in, sa- in said year in 2021. But the production group handling it, Gohans, ended up involved in a plagiarism incident in regards to the costume design, with one being an exact copy of a famous dress worn by a member of the K-pop group Red Velvet. Oh, and I guess you get sued for that. Uh, so this project <sighs> is now in the new and works in the works with a new K-pop studio. K-pop industry is <laughs> the stands, man. Lord. Also, the Rev Loves. The Rev Loves will like end oh, you yeah. if you cross them. Because it's like JoJo's whole thing is like, this is literally Prince. Like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> but K-pop's like, no. And I think the cool thing, I think the, the newest thing is pretty sweet. I think people are pretty psyched. The the Clamp is uh, has now signed on with Netflix to produce an original anime series based on Grimm's fairy tales. It will be a modern twist on the stories but with elements of horror and suspense. I'm pretty down with that. Y'all watch that. Y'all watch the shit out of that. Put that trash right in my mouth. (laughs) It's going to be great. I'm definitely going to watch it. And I think I'm going to keep reading Holic. I'm going to keep probably getting the omnibuses. There's seven of them. And I think they're like... 20 bucks a pop or you can do what Jake does and what? steal them from the internet Jake it's unbelievable what's happening with you I listen days. I would download a car <laughs> I would <laughs> I would do I would so super download it's, a car I mean the people publishing them they're not like mom and pop shops <laughs> right. they're not like taking like food out of the mouth of clamp <laughs> like, <laughs> 
so a couple uh, a couple more th- things to clean up on them. Uh, the unfinished manga, they're definitely known for that. There are five series which have unfortunately been put on hiatus. The oldest, of course, is X, which debuted in 1992. It hasn't been updated since 2003. After that comes Clover, which is actually the longest without an update. It actually stopped before X in 1999. Then there's Gate 7 and Drug and Drop, also titled Legal Drug, which both started in 2011 and stopped in 2013, haven't been finished. And lastly, Holic Ray is not concluded. At least Holic is concluded. But Holic Ray has not concluded and it hasn't been updated since 2017. In Clamp's defense, like, it's really common for a manga to start and not get finished. I mean, it's a prolific genre. There's, It's just not going to happen sometimes. I really hope they finish X. <laughs> that would be yeah. really, that would be, that would so be like cool. an event. Yeah, everyone would freak out yeah. if they did that. I really hope they do that. There's all this other stuff. Maybe Clover, of course, people would probably freak out about, but like everything else is like, sure, but fucking if they went and finished their second, mo- third manga they ever started put out and like from, and it's so rooted in the 90s. Well, and they, I think I would like love that. the death of Mura yeah. has like sent this like shockwave where everyone sees the sword of Damocles <laughs> yes. over their head. I'm looking at you, One Piece. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, people are like, we got to laugh. I was oh. devastated by that shit, man. I'm a huge, that's the only manga oh. I have all of like on the shelf. Like, I have a literal berserk tattoo, dog. Oh, like yeah, people bro. are leaving me flowers at my house <laughs> and like calling me. Like, like. Yeah, dude. It's 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 such a bummer. Uh man. Yeah, that was I couldn't believe I was just like, damn. Uh anyways, we've talked about the manga adaptation or a- anime adaptations rather. There's a t- I mean, they've worked with just like how they put out manga in every different weekly manga mag you could think of. They've also worked with like every major studio, it seems. It seems like they put a lot of their stuff out mostly on Production IG and through Madhouse. Those seem to be their major companies they work through. Which, honestly, they put out such good work, and I think that's like a really good... uh analog totally. for you know clamp because clamp is so like high quality that you know they can't totally. be, they can't be doing all that ps2 cutscene <laughs> bullshit do you is, like, is, there a, is there like a recommended anime uh that's probably like some of their best adaptation stuff like where should people look for for that it's it's <laughs> i mean i'm gonna be real it's like all over the place yeah. it's all good looking uh-huh uh some episodes of holly can get I, really off model and weird I'll okay yeah you know, it's all a little funky. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, like, yeah. There's nothing that I'm going to say is like a perfect thing. I think if you want something bite-sized to watch X99, uh-huh. uh, just because it's a fun movie, like we've covered, it doesn't make sense, but you're going to love the way you look. <laughs> be uh, high. Like, be so high. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I love it. And I mean, you know, if you, if you get the COVID or something and you can't leave your house, watch <laughs> Card Captors. Why not? The Japanese version, you know. It's fun. Their secret for working together for decades? Mostly it is the ability to differentiate their relationship during work and play. Igarashi said, We are professionals while we are working, and we are friends when we hang out together. We change our mindset depending on the situation. I think that's some really cool self-control. I have a final quote from Okawa, some advice to people trying to get into the manga game, but also you know, for young artists in general. Jake... Katie, any final things you want to say about Clamp before we uh, GTFO? Mm-hmm. Um, um, nah, I'm all right. Jake? <laughs> I, I mean, I think we covered it, but I just think they're way more influential than people give them credit for. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I, think, I think aesthetically, you still see the waves of it around today, and there's so much 
happening right now that just like straight up wouldn't exist. Yeah, I would. My advice, especially for like, I think a lot of dude bros out there that are interested in this kind of stuff, like give them a shot. I was really da- like into the stuff that I read. You know what I mean? And if you're like really, really horny and you just need relief. <laughs> Chobits, I guess. But I don't see, know. It's not I mean, even I, that horny, though. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The weird I'm totally thing about Chobits totally is it's not horny in the way you would think. It's like, I'm <laughs> right, like, right. ooh, I'm so horny to take care of someone. Mm. <laughs> you know, I think we are more evolved these days because like now I'm like getting more into magical girl stuff. I mean, my favorite anime besides the edges is, is Puella Magica Madoka Magica. But still, if you're the kind of person who's like, oh, I don't do magical girl and that's what they're known for. It's like, no, no, no. You're totally mm. missing out. Like definitely check out X, uh, you know, uh, uh, Holly. Magic Night Ray Earth, I swear. Magic Night Ray Earth. Yeah, yeah. It's great shit. And so, de- and card capture. Like it's all, it's really good stuff. All right, here's my quote to close it out. Uh, Okawa said, If you have something you want to draw and can finish it without giving up, you will debut for sure. This is advice for people getting into the industry. Do the work till the end. No matter how poor you think it is, there will be some people attached to it. If it's a comic, finish one story. If it's a novel, also finish one story. The most important thing is to give your idea a concrete form. There you go, our episode on Clamp. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to follow us further, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Uh, $5 a month, you get weekly bonus content and ad-free episodes. $15 a month, I already talked about the Sunday study session. Patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Before I plug anything else, Katie, please take it away. Oh, hi. I'm Katie Rose. You can follow me on Twitter at Katie Rose. I'm sorry. I don't know where social media is anymore. Uh, please... <laughs> Listen to Ballin' Out Super if you like anime. We talk about Dragon Ball and have mental breakdowns. That's Ballin' Out Super, your place for (laughs) Dragon Ball Z. I'm starting a couple new projects, so if you do follow me on social media, my free one, I don't know when it's coming out, so I don't want to talk about it just yet, but follow me out. But if you like music, I'm starting a personal project um, where I start a Patreon where I send you twice a month basically a personalized mixtape. Uh, radio show cool um, because I love to share music with people but you know the algorithms at large will not let me make it <laughs> uh, so I've started KRL stupid music cavalcade if you go to patreon.com slash stupid music please it's only five dollars a month I will send you a hour and a half to two hour show full track listings um, there'll be themes you can vote on for shows Eventually, I'll have a Discord, so check it out. The first one's going out at the the end of the month, so that's going to be March 31st, but you got plenty of time to get on board. Let's go. Hell yeah. Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. You've heard it a million times. Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. Monday through Friday streams. Jake? Uh, hey, I go, I'm on Twitch. I'm on YouTube. Go look for Puppet Jared. That's my VTuber avatar. The flagship stream is the Thursday Cartoon Dumpster. I... Folks, I've been begging you to check out this stream for months, and you've listened. You've listened every week. People come in and say, <laughs> hey, I'm from Whizbrew. I'm watching this. It's fucking rad. You rule. I'm having a blast. We watch uh, weird old cartoons from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Things that are so odd, so bizarre, so mind-numbingly uh just just brain-breakingly weird that the very idea that human beings made it could send you into an existential death spiral. <laughs> and I promise it's funny. I promise it's funny. Uh, go to twitch.tv slash puppet And hey, never stop bruising. And keep on whizzing.
This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Games from the Virginia Lottery are here. The Scratcher gives you the chance to win up to $100,000. The online game gives you the chance to win up to $1 million. For more information, visit valottery.com.